Hey, everyone. A couple quick notes before today's episode of the Slash Filmcast. Number one, I do want to give a language warning. There is strong language used during this episode, as with most episodes, but uh, felt it was worth giving a warning for this one specifically. And also, I want to mention that if you want to support this podcast and pay for ad-free episodes as well as bonus After Darks, all you got to do is head on over to patreon.com slash film podcast if you want to support the show. Thanks and enjoy the podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Slash Filmcast. My name is David Chen, and I would give up my subway seat for anyone on this podcast. Oh. Joining me today is Devendra Hardwar. I, for one, am ready for the Mad Mickelson uh, getting up to hijinks with middle-aged men cinematic universe. That, that really blows <laughs> off the tongue. Yeah. Uh, Jeff Kanata. How do you make something that's already mads even madder? Yeah, had a beard. Indeed. And joining mm. us also today on the Slash Filmcast, he is the co-creator and co-host of the KingCast podcast, uh, one of the most star-studded podcasts on the planet today. Scott Wampler, welcome back to the Slash Filmcast. Yes, thank you. Is this where I say my thing? It's where you say your thing, yes. Okay. You, you blew it. Chaos theory, Seamless. revenge, and... Uh, okay, look, I have to do that again. <laughs> Okay, you have one com- shot. That's it. We, need we don't com- actually do redo. We need complete yeah. silence for this. Chaos theory, revenge, and bicycles. Oh my! Nice, nailed it, nailed it. Yes. Um, we're probably going to keep all that in there, though, Scott. So just FYI. But welcome no, to the podcast, Scott. Great to have you back on to review Riders of Justice today. Later on yes. on the Slash Filmcast. Before we get to that, uh, we got some what we've been watching. We got some weekly plugs for you. And some major film news we're going to discuss. Uh, but I do want to mention, you can find more episodes of this podcast at SlashFilmCast.com. Email us at SlashFilmCast at gmail.com. So, in the last week, some rather major news dropped. And that is that Amazon, full disclosure, a company that I work for, is, purchase, is, is in, in process of purchasing MGM for $8.45 billion dollars. Uh, the oh, s- second biggest acquisition in Amazon history following uh, because the- 8.46 would be too much <laughs> so I worked for Amazon um, and I therefore have like I do not speak on Amazon's behalf so I will probably not talk that much during this segment uh, mm-hmm. time for us to shit on Amazon but I am going to ask yeah. you guys questions and uh, Devendra I sense you have some opinions about uh, Amazon buying MGM, what's your opinion on this? I've got, yeah, I got, I've got feelings, guys. We talked about Amazon potentially trying to play a bigger role in cinemas, right? Like I, we we were conjecturing, like maybe they would just buy AMC or something, which could still happen. Um, but this is definitely another step towards Amazon trying to like make itself a bigger thing in the physical world. And uh, I find it kind of scary. It's kind of weird. I it's like I, I don't want this company to be the one that's behind um, so many franchises, especially things like the James Bond franchise, which it half owns now or will half own if this deal goes through. 
Um, things are, it, it's just crazy. You know, I've got a lot of feelings going on here. Amazon is not the company I'd want to do this. I believe there was reporting that Apple was like in the running as well. And they didn't want to spend over 6 billion and Amazon was just like, yeah, sure. Whatever. Just we'll overpay for this thing. So yeah, we don't know what any of this means really, but I do find it funny that people are freaking out like, uh, John Logan, the screenwriter of Skyfall Inspector wrote a New York times op-ed piece where he's saying the deal gives him chills but probably for the dumbest reasons, right? Because he's saying uh, he's worried Amazon would make it very commercial. He's worried about product placement. He's worried about like bad, uh, bad ideas coming from the producers into this storied franchise, which has never done anything wrong, right? <laughs> Too late. Nothing, nothing dumb has ever happened in a James Bond movie, everybody. Like we saw Spectre, okay? I, th- that movie just happened. I remember every dumb thing about it. Guys, that. what would we do if James Bond had product placement? <laughs> It, it would never we end. would We're never dumb. be able to hop into our aston martin and <laughs> look at our rolex watch the same way again it never happened it is kind of funny though that uh basically like a blowfeld prototype villain now owns or will own james bond that is kind of funny <laughs> well i, I just absolutely- i would love to know dave yeah. uh <laughs> if we could if we could somehow channel the ghost of louis b mayer and <laughs> and tell him that his beloved company was purchased by a glorified mail order bookstore Mm. a bookstore in the invisible uh phone phone lines yeah right like it's a mail order bookstore (laughs) that doesn't exist in the real world Mm -hmm. there's no (laughs) physical place and it bought your company how do you feel how do you feel about that (laughs) well again i i personally have absolutely no comment on this but here's what i'm going to do okay uh i'm going to read off uh some of the films in the MGM catalog. And what I'd like you to do, here, you folks here on this podcast, again, I, I have no inside information. I, I'm just asking your gut reaction opinion. Do you want to see more TV shows or films based off of this thing? Okay? So, uh, so it's a yes or no yeah, I question? I think we should pitch sequel titles. Sure. sure. <laughs> all, right, all right. Well, well. I mean, I kind of want to hear, like, would you want to do it, right? Would you yeah. want them to exist first? But yes, if you do, then sequel titles for sure. But here we go. Okay. Uh, we already talked about James Bond. Um, Rocky Balboa. Do you want to see more no. movies and TV shows in the Rocky Balboa universe? <laughs> if, if only that was a franchise, Man. you know, with many movies in it. Yeah. More Creeds is what we're talking? I guess. Yeah. yeah. I, could, I could go for more Creeds. Those Creeds Sly's are good. Sly's not creeds. even in the next one, though. Mm. Like, he's out. I know, but but here's the thing, Scott, is is Rocky should have died a couple creeds ago, in my opinion. Oh, for sure, dude. <laughs> like, uh, it's, he's like, a, he's like, at this point, he's like a dented, like, you ever get like a 12 pack of soda at the store and bring it home <laughs> and then you drop it like in your driveway mm-hmm, or whatever mm-hmm. on the way in and one can spills out and it's all fucked up. It's like, it's like dented in the top and it uh-huh. looks like someone beat it with a stick. That's what that's where we're at with Sly right now, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, that, and, mm-hmm. and that's where we're at with Rocky. I mm-hmm, should say more mm-hmm. specifically, uh, Rocky is has been beaten in the head so much he's essentially like a malfunctioning uh, laundry <laughs> machine uh, with boxing gloves near him. That's what he is. Hey, you still can do. A, still can give you good advice. Hey, I don't know, exactly. I don't know. You want to try your hardest, and that's what you want to do. And you're like, oh, fuck, Rocky. Good advice. Dude, is Sylvester Stallone on the podcast today? Is that one? Evidently, uh, clones of Sylvester Stallone (laughs) are on the podcast. All right. Hey. It's it's all about clones. Oh, my God. Oh, hey. Okay. 
Silence. Rocky Jim Cotta. Rocky in, Jim Cotta crossover. Let's si- that Silence of the Lambs. What do you guys think? Well, There's already that a, too. We're getting prequel series. Yeah, we already got the prequel series going on. <laughs> what? Do you want? Do you want to see more well, Silence of the Lambs? Movies? Oh, was that still? I thought that got that, canceled still already. That show, the yeah. the Clarice show. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I thought that was wrapped. I thought they pulled a. You know, like, nope, we're getting that out of there. I don't know. <laughs> Bring back Hannibal. That's my mm, bring that's back what people, people want more yes. Hannibal. I think uh, I think the more challenging game to play is what isn't getting sequelized. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, would th- you want to asking... see more? We, so far, like <laughs> we can't we right. can't prevent it. It's not. It's, right. it's already happening. Yeah. The, well, the question been is sort of insidious to be, because to it's be clear. like yeah. mm-hmm. the question is insidious. Because most of these are getting a reboot. And the other ones, you're like, fuck, I don't want that to happen. But if you talk about it, you're going to will it into existence somehow. You mean, you mean like a Roadhouse reboot and or series in which you, it's a bouncer in different bars, through, you know, just traveling America <laughs> in different I'm, bars? Yeah. What upsets, me most, what upsets me most about this concept is that, you know, Channing Tatum is going to get roped in for that fucking Swayze role. And I love Channing Tatum, but mm-hmm. by, as God is my witness, they should not touch Roadhouse mythology. Leave that alone. <laughs> there is a Roadhouse too. sacred. <laughs> there is a, a who, who said that? There's a Roadhouse There, there is a Roadhouse too. Yeah. Not my There's fucking house. Direct to video. <laughs> action film directed by Scott Zeal. See, the mm-hmm. problem though here, Dave, yeah. is that what is worth $8.45 billion? The answer is IP that vaguely conjures some nostalgia. Mm-hmm. That is what's worth $8.45 billion. That is the only thing that is worth $8.45 billion. And mm-hmm. so the idea that this purchase isn't about the IP that MGM, it's not about a lion roaring at the beginning of movies. It's about squeezing every last bit of nostalgia from IP because that's the only thing that has value in our culture now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. he's uh, Jeff Bezos... Uh, explicitly said this. Um, he says, quote, the real financial value behind this deal is the treasure trove of IP in the deep catalog that we plan to reimagine and develop together with MGM's talented team. So that's what, that is a direct quote from Jeff Bezos. Yeah, um, so uh, okay. <laughs> L- let me throw out a couple of other things. Let me throw out a couple of things. Uh, Robocop. We're just moving on from that? We're moving on from that quote? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I mean, mean that's, that's the state of the world. I feel like that's the most obvious thing for him or any business person to say who's buying these things. Yeah. Well, I suppose yeah. that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, that's all it is. They want more content for the content machine. Any uh, looking forward to RoboCop uh, sequel? I think kind? RoboCop actually has a lot of potential to be relevant in our modern world. That That's not the movie they'd make. Yeah, but what, I what, wasn't think... the plot of RoboCop literally evil corporation, you know, <laughs> trying to do shit? Like it is again owned by the villains of the franchises in which they purchase. We're gonna yeah. stream all of your crimes <laughs> against <laughs> criminals, and they are. That's what Ring basically kind of. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Twelve Angry Men. Wait, 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 Dave. I think there's a there's a really great crossover potential uh-huh. with the Amazon Echo and RoboCop, right? Uh-huh. Just put little put little legs and a visor on it and you'd be like, Alexa, arrest that person. Then then, then you have your movie right there. It's, yeah. it's, it's they'll, RoboCop. They'll zero in. They'll be like, mm, zzz, uh, homeless, uh, get rid of them. <laughs> Twelve angry men. Uh-huh. <laughs> Anyone want to see some more, like, 12 Angry Men? Uh, 12 TV Angry scene? Men and a Baby. <laughs> <laughs> 13 Angry Men. 
Uh, okay, okay. Here's a serious one. No, Star- it's got to be updated for for modern times, uh-huh. and it's got to be twelve angry individuals who could be really anything. Yeah, they want to yeah. be. There you go. Star Stargate. We want to see more uh, Stargate stuff. Yeah, there there hasn't been enough Stargate on TV. You know, <laughs> like it's only been like fifteen years of Stargate. We That's need true. we need another few more decades of Stargate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sensing uh, not that much enthusiasm here on the podcast. Is it, I don't is it think just you me? Very good properties, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> where's uh, your uh, your Ben's her? Where's your Gons with the wind? You know what I'm yeah, saying? Where's yeah, your classic know. MGM? Okay, okay, okay. They don't um, even have Mac and me, Dave. <laughs> Magnificent Seven. I mean, I think we already did that recently. We, yeah, we nope. got that one already. Also, we did a recent Robocop too, the Joel Kinnaman one. I don't know if you guys remember that. Uh, Tomb nope, Raider. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Some more of that Tomb Raider stuff. <laughs> Let's uh we, we should mention by the way, uh in, in all seriousness, the classic MGM stuff is not part of this deal because MGM oh, really? sold off all that shit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So everything apparently all MGM movies made before 1986 do not apply to this deal. I don't Ooh, think just under I, the wire I, Robocop nice. Yep, yep. I don't think they're gonna be doing continuations on anything. Whatever MGM is holding, you know, in their in their sleeve. You know they're gonna have to pull it out and do a, a remake of it. The only the only the only crown jewel in this whole deal is Bond, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and Amazon didn't even negotiate to have control of Bond. You know they're like, ah, well, we'll we'll sure. we'll still pay you some money, but you guys are in charge. Like it's the whole fucking deal doesn't make any sense. Like Disney paid paid less for Marvel and Star Wars combined. Then they paid for MGM's backlog. <laughs> you, might, you might as well have paid for my backlog for the for the value that this has. And that's literally a log on his back. <laughs> yes, that's Loggy. He has a name. All right. Uh, yeah. Thelma it's and Louise. A, yeah. <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll stop. I'll stop. This is clear. Am, right. I, I'll, I'll say, am I being too strident? I'm sorry. If no, I'm, I think you're you're probably correct. But this deal is so expensive because Apple was trying to do it too. So it's like it is a billionaire pissing contest. Well, basically. it sounds yeah. like Amazon yeah. got played like a motherfucker. Is what yep. that sounds like to me. Well, uh, you know, <laughs> I, I, I have absolutely no comment on this, and uh, you know, I appreciate hearing your erudite thoughts, gentlemen. Yes. Uh, on this topic. Um, so why don't we move on yeah. from, uh, from this topic? Uh, but yeah, that's, uh, I, I suspect that's going to be a big deal. You know, uh, an, an, another major studio, uh, has been mm-hmm. absorbed into another company and, uh, they're going to buy theaters guys. Like th- these theater companies are not doing well. Like I said, AMC. A hundred thousand percent. It's yep. going to happen. We're going to be living in an Amazon world completely going to the Amazon grocery store, watching the Amazon movies, uh, talking to our Amazon robots at home. We're, like you, we're, we're about two years out from yep. all of that being true. Dave, you really uh, dropped the ball on all the deep cuts that <laughs> are part of this deal. All right. Tell me tell me what I dropped the ball on, Jeff Canada. Uh, according to the Hollywood Reporter article I'm yep. glancing at for yep. the first time, yep. uh, MGM TV produces The Handmaid's Tale. Uh, it's got a stake in, in The Voice and Shark Tank and The Real Housewives of Orange County. Yeah. I mean, I think most of those aren't actually deep cuts in any conventional sense of that term, but okay, yeah. Are there any of those that you're jazzed about, Jeff? Uh, no, but I'm sure they cost $8.45 billion. 
I mean, these are these are these are these are not insignificant things, you know. I, I'm kind of interested in the the Shark Tank thing. I could use like a new like rebooted Shark Tank. I think would where be it's just funny. Jeff Bezos on a throne, just <laughs> well, like throwing money at at projects. That'd be. Amazing. I'll, t- I'll tell you who that. I'm thinking about yeah. on Shark Tank is Rob Herjavec. Uh <laughs> Is that his name? Fucking. I, hold on, let me look. Yeah, Robert Herjavec. <laughs> Yeah. So this guy is like, you know, if you watch Shark Tank enough, you'll see a pattern mm-hmm. and it's like someone will walk in and and they'll be like, this is my presentation of my mom died. And, and then I got this idea. And so what I did was I launched this company. And so what it is, it's a bag of shit. Like it comes to your house, you get a <laughs> bag of shit and you look at it and you smell it. It stinks up your house. It's really horrible. But, you know, uh, it's it's good somehow. You know, it's biodegradable. <laughs> and and Hershevec will be like, I see. And he's like writing things down in his little notebook. Uh, that is the funniest shit to me about Shark Tank. You know, the <laughs> it's it's proof positive that like you can have all the money in the world and still be a dumb fuck. This guy would buy <laughs> used band-aids if you put them in front of him. Anyway, I'm sorry. Really? Uh, what did this guy do to you, Scott? Like, well, man, he didn't buy my fucking really, bag of shit business. <laughs> Taking it really personally. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he wrote all that down on the notepad and then he didn't do nothing. But seriously, he's dumb as a like a, a can of unopened stew. Like, <laughs> like, please go and watch this shit. It's it's the funniest thing to me. All right, folks. Well, those are our thoughts on the MGM Amazon deal. Deal that's, deal that's roiling Hollywood. As we speak. Hey, it's Jeff jumping in here to tell you about our sponsor, Magic Spoon. I'm actually genuinely excited to talk to you about Magic Spoon. Why? Because Magic Spoon lasted maybe a day in my house. (laughs) Uh, Cereal. I love it. I enjoy it. I don't allow myself to have the crappy kind of cereal. You know what I'm talking about. The cereal that we all want to have. The sugary junk food cereal the kind when you were growing up that would be sold to you by um, magic leprechauns and talking toucans. That's what I'm talking about. What if there was a cereal like that that was actually not terrible for you? That actually wasn't loaded down with a bunch of sugar and garbage? What if you could have all the delicious flavor of that kind of cereal... But with zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein, which is what you want, and only four net grams of carbs in each serving. It's only 140 calories a serving. Yeah. You know what would happen then? The box of that cereal would get eaten real fast in your house, which is what happened to me. In fact, I got four boxes. I got the variety pack, the cocoa, the fruity, the frosted, and the peanut butter. And I downed those bad boys real fast. All of a sudden, I wasn't just having Magic Spoon for breakfast. No, no. I was having Magic Spoon as a midnight snack because it's delicious. And it was guilt-free. I mean, we're talking keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, low-carb, and GMO-free. And it's delicious. You, you, You put the cocoa in with the peanut butter. All of a sudden, you got yourself a delicious peanut butter cup. The frosted is delicious, but my favorite, friends, my favorite is the fruity. The fruity, uh, I immediately ordered more boxes of (laughs) because it's so good. 
Follow my lead, folks. I'm telling you, if you have any, any appetite for this kind of cereal, this kind of delicious, I want to say sugary, but it's not, there's no sugar. It's, deli it's delicious. It tastes great. It's that indulgent cereal. Go to magicspoon.com slash filmcast. You can grab yourself a variety pack and you can try it for yourself. I'm telling you, you're going to love it. If you're anything like me, you're going to be blown away by how good this stuff tastes. Be sure to use our promo code filmcast, F-I-L-M-C-A-S-T at checkout. Save yourself $5 off your order. By the way, Magic Spoon is so confident in their product that it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. Which I can't imagine because, like I said, I ate four boxes of cereal in like a day and a half. It's so good. It's, it's really, really good. And remember to get your next delicious bowl of guilt-free cereal at magicspoon.com slash filmcast. And then use that promo code filmcast, F-I-L-M-C-A-S-T, to save $5 off. Thank you, Magic Spoon, for sponsoring this episode and getting me hooked on your cereal. It's so good. All right, uh, let's move on to what we've been watching this week. I watched a couple things that are worth chatting about. First of all, uh, I went uh, cautiously back to the theater uh, mm -hmm. to go see A Quiet Place Part 2. Nice. Uh, and uh, my guess is we're going to be reviewing this movie on the Slash Filmcast in five weeks. Uh, so Absolutely. I'm not going to talk too much yeah. about this uh, because I believe it'll be streaming on Paramount Plus in like mid-July, uh, which will be exciting to see. Uh, but I will just say that uh, I'll say two things about A Quiet Place Part 2. Number one, I think that the entire premise of this movie series is ludicrous and does not hold up to any scrutiny whatsoever. Uh, and despite that, number two, uh, I still found it to be an enjoyable time. I think that the uh, horror set pieces are really well put together. There's a lot of like good tension. John Krasinski, very clearly inspired by you know Steven Spielberg and like Jurassic Park and things of that nature. And uh, I think he can put together a good scare in this film. Uh, he directs this one as well. And uh, this one is much more like expansive in scope than the first one, right? The first one took place basically in one location. This one's much more about uh, exploring the world and getting to know more about this, uh, what has happened to the planet and the lore of this universe. And uh, I, I thought it was moderately enjoyable. It's not as good or as interesting as the first one, uh, but I still had a great time. And it was honestly pretty incredible to see this in a movie theater because obviously I think if you've seen any of these movies, either of these movies, you know that the sound design is a really important part of it. So I had a great time seeing A Quiet Place Part 2 in theaters. And uh, again, I, I, my understanding is it'll be available on Paramount Plus shortly. And so this, uh, this is something we'll likely talk about when we review it. But I'm curious if you found yourself imagining what your response to it would have been if it had managed to come out before the pandemic. Well, I am going to, I will say that there are a lot of moments in this movie that resonate with me more now than they would have been back then, like than sure. they would have back then because... Which is interesting, right? Because the movie was complete before... Yeah, it was completed pre-COVID, basically. Yeah, right? so, so it's, not like it, it's not like it was consciously speaking to that. But. Correct, correct. But the idea of uh, kind of this unseen force that you know, uh, is dangerous outside and people are all fragmented into their own little environments and, uh, and, and how like this whole situation has changed people. It's transformed people, right? Because you, you're a different person when you go into a crisis like this than, than when you come out, uh, all, all that stuff's kind of subtext in them or, and, and occasionally text in the movie. And so I do think that it kind of resonates with, it hits a little different, Jeff. Than mm, it did. I, I if, imagine. Yeah. 
Um, I, I, I'm just curious if you had that consideration as you were sitting there, like how would I have, would I have? I, I think it would have this? resonated with me less emotionally mm, if yeah. I had seen it pre like in a, in a world where COVID didn't happen. But now right. that it has happened, it's like, oh wow. Like I kind of recognize, you know, elements of our society in the movie. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't think it's like a super profound film. Uh, but right. I did, you know, I, I do kind of, it, it kind of just hits me a little bit different. I, sure. w- one of the interesting things about the first one is this political interpretation that it is about cancel culture. <laughs> you, guys, you guys read this, right? Like that <laughs> it's about how you can't say anything or else people will come out of nowhere and kill. And you actually lock th- your baby in a cabinet. Right. That it's, or... it's like that it kind of has like a fundamentally conservative Hell message. Yeah. Right, mm-hmm. uh, and and also like not to mention right, it's about like this, uh, shall we say, uh, popular image of an American family living on a farm uh, that mm-hmm. is the he- they're the heroes, and you know, uh, obviously uh, John Krasinski has starred in like the ben- the Michael Bay Benghazi movie and is Jack Ryan on Amazon Prime Video, <laughs> you know. So like, it, I think it's very easy to reasonably read in a, a conservative leaning to the first film um uh, and uh and it starts I, with the letter q mm, uh i actually think it starts with the letter a but then the next letter <laughs> yeah anyway so uh and, and this can i subscribe to your newsletter jeff yeah <laughs> i really want to yeah. go down this rabbit hole with you. I, I don't think yeah. this movie really does the same thi- it's not as interesting in that way it's it's less readable <laughs> as a, an allegory in my opinion um, but it, it was interesting to reflect on that as well. Like, it, it, is the movie trying to say anything? I think ultimately with The Quiet Place Part Two, not really, but we can talk more about it in a few weeks. Maybe if I, when I've had some time to mull it over, I'll feel differently about it. So that's A Quiet Place Part Two. It's out in theaters right now. Okay. Uh, other thing I want to mention that I watched is Cruella, which we were originally thinking of reviewing this week, and I don't think it would have been a bad move to review this movie. I think it would have been... There's enough there that's worth talking about uh, to to have reviewed it, but you know, I think we picked a more interesting movie instead. Uh, Cruella is the origin story of the character of Cruella de Vil from the 101 Dalmatians uh, cartoon, whose primary characteristic that we all know her from is that she likes to skin puppies so that she can wear them as coats. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but where um, did that, all that come from? Uh, what do you mean? Where they? Oh, oh, you mean how did she get to be that way? Well, yeah, the question yeah, if only there was a movie that the could answer that. The question animating that Jeff Kanata is, so to speak, is is that in fact what this movie tells the story of? Right, which I will not reveal. Um, but suffice to say, here here's what's here's what's good about Cruella is the fashion and the styles are interesting, and Emma Stone is a very charismatic actress. Uh, but. I, I don't know. It's it's hard for me to talk about it without at least giving away some details about it. No one here cares, right? I can I can talk about the plot somewhat. Yeah, is that, yeah. Is that true? Um, yeah. Scott, you weren't hanging on. It. You weren't trying to go in fresh to see Cruella. Um, well, I'll, uh, I would like to. I would like to point out this. There was a clip going around the other day about lovely uh, clip. Yes, yeah. you know how. Okay, uh, so we're, we're going to d- reveal some plot details from Cruella, and probably actually. Some pretty major plot details from Cruella. So I'll, skip I'll forward. Speak, yeah. I'll, I'll speak vaguely, yeah. as as to not spoil yeah. anything for anyone. But um, it was essentially the origin <laughs> moment mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. Cruella Deville, and I saw this and I was laughing my fucking ass off. And it wasn't like, you know, it, it wasn't it. It wasn't that I was laughing at the movie. 
You know, it seemed apparent for me by the choices that were made in that scene that um, they knew what they were doing. You know, it, it was it was a goofy joke. You, you and know, then I, I and then I posted it. I reposted it on Twitter. And then uh, there were a number of people that kind of got on to me about it. And they're like, you haven't even seen the movie and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I'm not laughing at it. I'm laughing, you know, with it. Like, it it, it seems funny to me. Mm-hmm. And this is, frankly, the if this was the whole trailer for the goddamn movie, I, I would have been there day one. Like, a lady getting thrown off a well. On, yeah, no, okay, we, we, we can give I'm it away. Spoilers. We can give it. We, we're we're going to give it away. We're going to give it away. So if you don't want to hear Cruella spoilers, okay. So a trio of Dalmatians <laughs> threw a lady off a fucking cliff into the churning sea below, where there are rocks and what have you, and she flails while she's going down. It's very funny. Um, <laughs> it is Mr. Burns saying, "Release the hounds." And uh, yes, this I is would what fucking. Yeah, you know, yeah. I had no interest in seeing this movie, and now I cannot wait to see this movie. And I saw a, a, a Quiet Place too last weekend, and yeah, it was hey, I I didn't really like it. And I think this weekend I'm correcting what I should have done last weekend and go to see Cruella in the first place. Is I don't recall the plot of 101 Dalmatians, but it, is Cruella redeemed in that movie? Uh, I don't believe so. No, I don't believe so. I think she's yeah, definitely so an evil villain. character. Her, it's an her interesting choice. Villains turn... meant uh, a villain meant a different thing back in the day. Yeah, indeed. That, I, that's that's kind of what I was getting to. Is that she is pretty classically <laughs> evil? You know, she like is who we of think of as cartoonishly evil. Like, yeah, why literally like you skinning dogs? Yes, yes. Yeah, and and so uh, it seems like an interesting choice to. <laughs> make that a sympathetic character right which is the goal of this movie is to create a sympathetic view of this villain right but that's kind of what they've Have done you heard Maleficent. about joker <laughs> yeah it, <laughs> unfortunately it, it, yes th- this this kind of gives the joker treatment to cruella de vil in some ways right now whether right. you thought joker was a sympathetic portrait of joker uh, is up to you know people have different answers on that yeah, but, but, but this is, Cruella this is, is a is a character for a, for children. The Joker <laughs> is a is a oh yeah he's, he's yeah <laughs> it's it's symptomatic of this thing where like you know if you have a if you have a franchise that's been going on for a while like Batman or whatever you have you have a villain side character that like everyone loves you know Heath Ledger came in on on Dark Knight. And that was the end of that. Um, and I think that what's happening now is with the proliferation of these TV shows where antiheroes are like the main character, you know, they're trying to combine that with, well, people love the Joker. People love Cruella de Vil, People love fucking Ursula the Squid or whatever her name was. Le Guin. But, it's Le Guin. Okay, fine. Um, <laughs> and, and so they, no, it might be, uh, no, that was a, that was a deep cut sci-fi. Author <laughs> joke. Yeah. It's yeah, an actual yeah. person. I, I, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I'm with you, but, um, this, uh, this does feel like a, a little bit of like people at the top who are not completely understanding what's happening here. Um, making the choices. Well, there's, there's two ways you could go with this. Right uh, is you could 
try to make you sympathize with uh, a person whose primary characteristic that we know her from is that she skins dogs and wears them as coats. Or sure. you could retcon and change it so that she doesn't do that. Or she's known for more than just that. Those are the two, those are the two paths you have before you, right? Sometimes, yeah, you're not justified by skinning puppies to make coats. Yeah, you know? uh, or you like, can make sometimes it your name could be cruel devil. Yeah. I, I, I'm not gonna say which path they took because I don't because <laughs> it sounds like Scott, you're still gonna watch this movie. But oh, I'm fucking hyped. Dude. Yeah, I, I, I'm probably gonna watch it too. Yeah. I will because say, of that clip. Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, I will say that I wish it was the movie you think it is. <laughs> Let's put it that way. I don't think it is that movie. You know, I think uh, it's a far less subversive movie than what you're describing. Well, that um, might be true, but it also has uh, Paul Walter Hauser. Yes. And also, I, I get to go see it in a movie theater. Yeah. So It has uh, Paul Walter Hauser, it ha- and it has uh, a, 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 the most sort of prominent set of needle drops I've heard in a film since, like, Suicide Squad, basically. You know? Just tons of tons of music that's really actually really good, um, but often distracting for how nonstop it is. Uh, so, uh, and, but yeah, the fashions are great. And I'll, I'll just say that one of the elements of the movie is that there is a character who is more evil than Cruella that Cruella is, is pitted against, right? Extremely Cruella. Yes, indeed. So that's kind of one way they try to thread the needle. Um, but yeah, it, it's clearly Disney mining the IP uh, that they have to come up with something that they think is going to resonate with today's audience, which is uh, a girl boss who is self-actualized by uh, learning how to out evil yeah. this other evil yeah. character. So yeah. uh, anyway, I thought it was uh, moderately interesting, and I think you know there's there's enough to recommend it that it's like it's. It's kind of cool. It, it is, I think, two hours and 20 minutes long, and I don't think it has any reason to be that long. But, Jesus um, Christ. Yeah. fucking Christ. <laughs> yeah, but uh, that's uh, Cruella. It's on Disney+. Plus. you got to use the premium access. Pay 30 bucks to get to access it. Uh, and it is also out in theaters right now. That's uh, Those are a couple things I've been watching this week. It's 30? I thought it was 20. Maybe it is 20. I'm not... I think uh, uh, it yeah. doesn't matter. It's all no, it's egregious. Th- it's thirty. It's, it's thirty. Yeah. No, 30. I was right. Yeah. I was right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. Fuck me, <laughs> Devendra. Let's go to you. What do you? Uh, what do you got? What do I? What do I got? I've been checking out the second season of Mythic Quest uh, on Apple TV Plus, and I'm really digging it. I'm mainly bringing it up because uh, I want Jeff Kanata to watch the show. Jeff, watch the show. Like <laughs> I it watched is, that it, one good episode. You what watched you the one me? good episode, and I do feel like you had a. Uh, I think I think it's an example of you worked in a place that was very much like this. Yes, this is not exactly like what that was. Yes, but I, I, I can't I can't say how accurate it is to the real thing. But I've talked to a lot of folks in game dev and a lot of folks you know within the industry who find little bits of the show like specific things feel very uh, real to them as a TV show as a sitcom. It is uh, it's really good. It's just really good. So I, I think they're even stronger now in the second season, now that they know what they're going to do. Mythic Quest is a show about a, a game studio, uh, just like a small game studio, basically owned by Ubisoft, but they never mentioned Ubisoft directly. This is a show co-produced by Ubisoft. So you see like their IP pop up and things like that. But it's about 
it's it's an office comedy about game development with a great cast. Danny Pudi, I think, is doing some of his best work here. Like it is, if you take the character of Abed from Community and you think of like an evil demon version of Abed, that is basically <laughs> Wasn't that him. in Community. What didn't they have? Evil Abed and evil evil. There was evil Abed, yeah, with the mustache. <laughs> I think. Um, yeah. F. Murray Abraham is in the show. Is amazing i think in general and then rob McElhenney um doing really great work this is a show that is both funny has great characters but there is like a uh there's a heart to it that i find is lacking in a lot of comedies these days and it's not just like the special episode which was that's midway through season one there's like an episode that goes back in time and gives us like a small rom-com type story about game development uh this the entire show kind of has those beats they did a great uh, i think they are the only show that had a really good quarantine episode that really got to the heart of like what we were all feeling and this was early on. This was like, I think like March or April last year um, where they they did a great job of just like capturing the crazy disconnected life we were living back then. And they've kept doing it. And I think the season is is even better. So Jeff and everybody else who likes, uh, you know, th- things like this, good comedies and game development. And uh, if you like games, I think you'd really appreciate it. Like there, there's a there's a whole episode dedicated to like, will they, won't they go battle royale? I think it's kind of <laughs> hilarious funny. because everything goes battle royale now. But uh, yeah, it, it is things like that. There are some great in jokes, but it's just great, fun, sweet comedy in general. Do you think I might give this a second shot? A shot. Yeah. Do you, do you think that I I could just skip to season two, or should I watch? All no, season one? you you gotta like gotta it wasn't it even that bad. It's not even like the Office season one, Jeff. Like I, okay. I think it's just like. It, it may be a hump you have to get over because you, you know this, you live this. Yeah. And I have that experience too in certain things where like, if something is not quite like my, you know, what I've lived through, um, I think like, uh, like it work or something, if something is bad about doing tech stuff, when it is a tech stuff show, I, I get kind of annoyed by it. But uh, beyond that, like, I think it, it, I think it finds its footing much faster than a lot of other comedies. And yeah, the end of season one, fantastic there's like there's a lot of sweetness to this i think nobody really expected especially coming from mackelhenny that's never something i really thought was a thing and it's always sunny right i don't really yeah. watch that show very but cynical show yeah yeah like this is like the direct opposite yeah mm-hmm. uh well that's mythic quest season two it's available on apple tv plus uh davindra what else you been watching I've also been checking out the second season of Bluey, the show yes. that Jeff recommended uh, a while back, and uh, everyone's talking about Bluey now. There, there are articles about like how Gary Witta wrote an article about. It. I couldn't believe it. It was awesome. Yeah, did he? And I think he retweeted an article. Did he oh, did he retweet it? it? Oh, I thought yeah, he wrote I think it. He, I think yeah, it was uh, it was something else. But yeah, Gary Witta, you know, uh, famed screenwriter and former games journalist, uh, retweeted this piece, which is like, yeah, Bluey is the best kid show on TV right now because it is all about play. It's all Mm -hmm. about the idea of how you play with each other. And guys, I have to sit through a lot of kids shows these days. I don't know. Somehow it's mostly good, right? Like I got my daughter hooked on like the Ghibli stuff. She she's like into Sesame Street and the cool the the stuff like I think adults can sit through and not want to tear their hair out. Uh, Somehow out of nowhere, she saw one episode of Paw Patrol. And now that became a thing. And that show Uh-oh. is pure garbage. And I think um, I'm not going to throw my wife under the bus here, but uh, it, it probably happened on her watch. Um, but yeah, once once a kid finds one bad show, guys, that's oh, yeah. it. You fail because you got to watch that bad show over and over again. So yeah. a lot of my day is spent like where she wants to wake up and watch Paw Patrol. I just like 
want to watch some Bluey? Want to watch some Sesame Street or something? Um, so a lot of a lot of RNG is now just trying to, if she wants to watch something, at least like try to make it something good. Bluey is a show about a family of cattle dogs in Australia, and it's so sweet. It is so sweet and funny, and the episodes are just seven minutes long, which is also great, too, because a kid can watch a show and not be tuned to something for like 30 minutes. Uh, so you can make it really bite-sized. You know, for uh, you could tell a kid like, hey, we're going to watch one or two episodes of Bluey. It's mm-hmm. not really that long. Um, so that's one good thing. But the writing is great. The animation is great. The fan- the the sound design and the yes. music in the show is fantastic. There, There's an episode in season two where um, I think it's Bingo, which is the the younger child. Uh, it's, it's two girl dogs. But it's Bingo having a dream about uh, floating through the planets, I think. Sleepy time. The, so, the yeah, sleepy time. Yeah, yeah. She is hopping through the solar system. And uh, in the background, like there are renditions of Holt's planets playing. You know, it's just like cheekily smart and really fun and interesting stuff. And my daughter is really getting to space stuff now, too. So she really enjoyed that episode. So anyway, Bluey is good. And it's not just for parents. If you are a an uncle or an aunt or somebody out there who is like tangentially, you know, in an orbit of a child and you have to spend time with them occasionally, Bluey is a nice thing to put on because you'll enjoy it and they'll have a ton of fun with it. And maybe they'll give you some ideas to play with because it, it's a show about how you kind of imagine things and how you play together. And I, I've never really seen that before in a kid's show. But Jeff, how are you, how are you enjoying season two? Oh, I mean, I'll just underline everything you said. I mean, you, you did a great job summing it up. It's it's a spectacular show. Uh, one of the things you didn't mention is how great it looks. Amazing, uh, yeah. Beautifully animated, colorful. I love this big, chunky, gorgeous world that these characters inhabit. And the voice acting is phenomenal. I have no idea how they get the little girl voices, but they are spectacular. Like, their giggles are, mm-hmm. like, the thing you want from your own kids. It, it, it is it is authentic and is beautiful and yeah it's all about imaginative play and so many people that i've recommended the show to or i've heard on twitter have reacted to it uh have said it makes me want to be a better parent it's like it's like an instruction manual on how to be a better parent in a lot of ways (laughs) ideas like ideas of fun stuff to do with your kids and it's so amazing that a show that's about anthropomorphized dogs in a cartoon world really there's very little that couldn't actually be shot live action. It's it's ostensibly mm-hmm. real people playing with their kids in, in using imagination to play with their kids. It's done with style and animation, but it's a really wonderful concept to do a show that's just about people coming up with fun ideas and thinking it through. And the show has so much heart. It, I've cried many times watching it. It is uh, beautiful. It is a, a show that absolutely parents will get as much out of as their kids, mm-hmm. but in different ways than their kids. Um, I, I don't know how they do it episode after episode after episode that constantly coming up with yeah. these beautifully expressed uh, concepts of play. It's, it's a wonderful show. I hear a lot of it just comes from the creator, Joe Brum. Like it is his experience in his life with kids and everything. And yeah. it is like, it feels very personal. It feels very intimate. And yeah, the kid stuff, the kid voice acting is so good and they don't, they haven't revealed who the kids are. Right. They don't really like promote the voice actor. So this isn't like Peppa Pig where you kind of know who the star of Peppa Pig was. People talked about her and she, she like did interviews and stuff and she was a little child star. This is not really about that. So 
Yeah, yeah. Recommend it to everybody. It is fantastic. And uh, both seasons are on Disney Plus right now, so you can check it out there. Yeah, it, it, the second season has been out for a while, and mm-hmm. uh, it was chopping at the bit, and it's just arrived on Disney Plus, which is a great way to watch it. That's how I'm watching it as well. All right, the show is Bluey. That's what Devinder Hardwar has been watching. All right, Scott Wampler, what have you been watching this week? I've been watching uh, Bo Burnham's... Uh, are you getting me on mic? Yep. 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 We're got you. Okay. That sounded weird for a second. <laughs> uh, I've been watching uh, Bo Burnham's uh, Inside, uh, which I think is uh, quite possibly the definitive document of the quarantine era. I agree 100%, man. 100%. Yeah. You want yeah. me to go uh, yeah, on? Yeah, I was... Well, I thought, yeah, I, I can go on. expand on, on that a little um, bit, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just gonna think about that for a while. <laughs> I, I, I suffered a complete. I, I suffered several mental breakdowns during mm-hmm. quarantine. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a guy. One who, of them, like four seconds ago on our show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, now that's no, actually, that's how I usually am. But, <laughs> but, um, I was a very social guy. I used to go out like four times a week minimum. You know, I'm married. I have a, a house and dogs and all that shit. But I was always out. I was always moving around. And so, so much of my fucking life was based on social interaction and sort of network networking with people and um, navigating the industry I was in. And when COVID hit and suddenly I'm locked in my house, like I am not the type of person who responds well to uh, incarceration. I can tell you that or uh, anything where you're trapped inside another thing, you know, and I, I fucking melted down multiple times. I ended up back in therapy. I ended up on medication for antidepressants, uh, anxiety, all this shit. Uh, my life is better now, but I can also see the other life from where I'm standing. And um, I don't think I would have made it through, you know, much more of this before I reached out and asked for help. And uh, for as much of a smart ass as I am, and as much bullshit I'm pl- putting out on Twitter on, on the average basis, um, I do think everyone should be fucking well and, and trying to do better. Um, and so I'm a big proponent of, you know, getting mental uh, health checks and and getting on medication if you need them and and all of that shit. Uh, but Burnham's inside sort of encapsulated all of that uh, and all that crushing sort of soul realization that happened for me over the past year. On top of the euphoria and the hilarity that was being online in the last year. You know, we we would often have days on Twitter that were the funniest fucking days you've ever seen. And at the same time, in the background, it's like the worst shit you can imagine is going on. 
Um, that was happening all the fucking time. And that that uh, dichotomy of of um, sensations uh, is, you know, it's something I will not forget about the last year. And I, I felt like it was perfectly fucking handled in uh, in inside. And on top of that, you get some fucking banger music, dude. You know, like what more could I want? Uh, this thing galvanized me. And I think it's a very, very, very important document of this time. Jeff That's Kanata. my pitch. Got it. Jeff Kanata, I think you had strong opinions watching this thing as well, right? I did. I, I agree with uh, everything Scott said as far as it being this beautiful artistic record of this year that we all experienced. I mean, it is an extraordinary look back at what what we all sort of went through as filtered through this one individual. Mm-hmm. And the the central conceit of Bo Burnham's Inside is that toward the beginning of the pandemic, Bo Burnham, this stand-up comedian, artist, uh, locked himself in a room and started making something. And then as the pandemic stretched on, he continued to make that thing by himself in his room, all by himself. He shot every piece of video you see. He lit it. He did everything you need to do. And from a purely technical perspective, it is a gobsmacking achievement. It looks like there's a 40-person crew that... Mm -hmm with a cinematographer and lighting technicians and 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 set designers and editors. Yeah. Mm -hmm, It is, mm -hmm. it is just not even touching the artistic side, just on a purely technical, what what he's able to pull off inside a single room with a handful of cameras and lights to create an hour and a half of entertainment where you never leave that room with him, but you feel like you're transported to different places and different times and you feel like you're on massive stages. You feel like you're uh, in intimate spaces. You feel that this pullback of the curtain, but you f- you feel this grand uh, music video scale of uh, of audio visual splendor. Just that makes this unmissable. It is, I think, essential viewing for anybody anybody that is just curious what one person today with technology is able to make. Mm-hmm. It, you will be have your mind blown. Right. Now, over and above that, I think this is a work of genius. I and I don't say that lightly. I think this is absolutely you know one one element of genius in in my interpretation is focus. There are people whose genius is evident by their singular focus and ability to commit to the work. And what you see in this in this special, in this hour and a half, is someone who stayed in a room and did a thing and kept doing that thing and would not compromise on perfection. Would not would would not like mm-hmm. the level the level of commitment that is necessary to achieve any given ten minutes in this special is boggles my mind like the a number of setups the number of doing it over, over and there's a number of, of times in the in the actual special where you he kind of sets up a camera that is 
almost a behind the scenes view of the making of the thing just for a, a brief moment. And you see him do another take and do another take and no, that's not good enough. And he, you get a window into this compulsive genius of focus on the making of a thing. And I say all that and, and it sounds so uh, austere and grandiose, but it's also fucking funny. It's so funny. It, I mean, there's a song called the internet. That's like, it, it's so, so perfectly skewers our addiction to technology and the internet. I mean, he, he says incredibly insightful, self-deprecating things. You watch him wrestle with the very first thing that happens in the special is he does a song about whether or not it's okay to even joke right now. Like, can we even make jokes during this time? Is it even appropriate to joke? And it's it's such a perfect expression of that doubt and that inner searching, that, that self-reflection of what are we living through right now? What's the appropriate response? How do I be? <laughs> How, what do I do in this time? And, and that is why I think um, Scott so aptly mentioned that it is like this perfect record of this strange moment of time that we've all survived together. And to watch this person go through it and channel it into such beautiful and articulate artistic expression is moving and powerful and it feels essential and it's fun and hilarious and groovy. Like the songs are great. I mean... I do think this is one of the greatest things I have seen in many years. It is really, truly a, an extraordinary work. And the, the fact that one person made it, it, it boggles my mind. The only thing I would add to what you're saying is the word therapeutic. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's again, it's such a, it's such a personal thing because so many people reacted to quarantine so much differently. You know, I knew people yeah. that were ignored it. I knew I, I I knew people that you know took it very seriously and midway and and like a lo-fi sort of COVID thing. But every every range of the spectrum. But it's I I, I will I will agree that maybe I'm being hyperbolic about it because it's so personal to me, but also it's personal to me. You know, yeah. this is, this is real shit that yeah. this is exactly what I went through and what a relief to see it play out on screen for other people to appreciate and maybe to understand the experience that people like me had, you know, it's well, it's therapeutic in that yeah. way. Uh, I also had a chance to watch this and uh, I agree with a lot of what you guys said, um, which is that uh, to me, the part about this thing that struck me the most is the, the idea that it is about the anxiety of trying to create art during this time. Um, you know, all the people on this podcast have, uh, to varying degrees tried to make things over the course of last year, right? Mm -hmm. And I think one of the things that this special brings to life is how terrifying and lonely and anxiety-producing 
that can be. And of course, it's done by somebody who's very, very talented um, and operating like on a level that you know we don't operate on, uh, probably. And uh, and so to see that kind of filtered through uh, his, his sort of this format of this guy being in this one room with all this equipment strewn everywhere and trying to make something beautiful out of it, uh, I found to be very 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 moving. So yeah, let and me ask it's, you. It's this. really sm- oh, go ahead. Well, you know, I saw some pushback on uh, inside on my um, Twitter feed today. And it had to do with whether or not, like, like specifically, I saw a complaint about, like, well, what were his camera setups like in these moments where he's breaking down unless that were planned? Like, mm-hmm. that was the implication. And my response to that is kind of like, maybe so, but also I believe every second of emotion of this. I don't feel like there's I don't feel like a false move in this whole thing. You know, I'm sure uh, an element of it is performative, but I don't feel like, you know, this guy's playing a role here. Right. You know, if he got something after the fact, fine. I don't give a shit because it's accurate. I agree 100 percent. Yeah, I think it doesn't even matter to me because it's it's a piece of art that is effective. And and if if he is, you know, if he experienced a, a thing and then and then performs it in front of the camera for me, that's no different than any other film that I watch that right. moves me. Right. That I, I I absolutely don't have a problem with that, and I do not feel like I'm being manipulated. Uh, it 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 feels authentic to its core. Uh, the it, the idea that this person would somehow, you know invent that experience and and try to manipulate me by it, it just seems even if he did it it, it is it is true right it, it is something as you said right. scott you have felt exactly and all exactly. of us i think to a certain extent so so it's it's beautiful and and another thing i want to point out too i think that was really smart is that he he doesn't cut his hair or his beard through the making of it and mm-hmm. it really it really drives home the the amount of time that has been spent for sure. It's such a great decision, I think. Because um, you really see it, you know, as it, as it moves along. And it's just something very, very special, I think. You I think can, it's definitely... Yeah. I've watched it enough times now that I think that you could go back and sort of pinpoint certain songs or elements of the thing. Whether, like, you know, interstitial sketches or what have you. But, like, you can pin those on certain moments in time. Yeah, exactly. Where, where this is what we were all about. And, and that's another reason I say it's, it's a time capsule. It, it is. is, you know, um, a lot of the songs are funny and, and goofy. But also, they're, like, each one was clearly written for a, 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 a one-week period on social media when this was like a thing we were talking about. And it's um, entirely representative of what we went through. Uh, It's just, it's brilliant. Yeah, it really is. I I think it's definitely worth watching. It's definitely something people should check out. It really does a great job of capturing a lot of what we went through over the course of last year. Um, And uh, I, I would recommend it. It's Bo Burnham's Inside. It's available on Netflix right now. And that is what Scott's been watching. Uh, Jeff Kana, want to hit us with a couple things before we get to our... Yes. 
I uh, I checked out like I think a lot of America. Uh, I checked out the Friends reunion special, despite the fact I've maybe watched three episodes of Friends. <laughs> I, I was not a Friends guy. Wow! But you just I, really ran that nostalgia bandwagon. I yeah, I am like, I yeah. am married to a female who was alive <laughs> in the nineties. And therefore, uh, loved friends. I think that is that is uh, pretty ubiquitous. Um, and uh, so, you know, she definitely wanted to watch it, and I I was curious to watch it too. I mean, of course, familiar with Friends, uh, but I just it was never the show for me. It, it hit. I mean, the show came out the year I graduated from high school, and so it was happening as I was going to college and studying acting, and it was like. You know, I, I didn't I wasn't around at 8 p.m. on Thursday nights to sit down in front of the TV because I don't know if listeners are aware, but there was a time where you had to actually be there at the time the thing was on <laughs> in order to watch it. Um, so, yeah, so was, uh, Friends was never really a show of mine, but uh, really curious about this Friends reunion special. I don't know how much you guys know about it as I turned it on. First of all, I was surprised to see this is an hour and a half. And then the, secondly, I was surprised that I, I just assumed it was going to be a new episode of Friends that they made now. But that is not what it is at all. Uh, it is actually, I think, a fairly clever way to do a reunion. It is it is shot over multiple events and then edited together non-linearly, jumping back between a number of these different events. One of the events is a uh, a re an actual reunion where they evidently rebuilt and recreated the soundstage that Friends was, was shot on and invited the entire cast now uh, to just sort of hang out on the soundstage and reminisce. Uh, another one, it, it, another of these events is this sort of in front of a live audience hanging out, being interviewed, uh, the cast being interviewed uh, by, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, James, uh, James Corden. James Corden, yeah. thank you. Uh, uh, which is, you know, interesting. And then a third one is is sort of like the cast all sitting around reading scripts of old episodes and then interspersing that with the actual footage of that episode. So it's a, it's a mishmash of a lot of different techniques but overall it's kind of this uh this celebration of what this cultural phenomenon of a show was um uh, i will tell you my experience of watching it, it they could have titled it friends the ravages of time <laughs> because <laughs> it is uh boy it is you know this has been 17 years since the show went off the air and it's just every single person that they bring back you just go Oh, it's been 17 years since the show's been on. Everybody's, we're all old. Everybody's old. I'm old. Everyone's old. Um, I mean, there's a point at which they cut to Elliot Gould in the audience who played one of the character's dads on Friends. And I could not recognize Elliot Gould. If you had asked me what famous actor is that, I wouldn't have been able to come up with Elliot Gould. I was like, what happened to Elliot Gould? No offense to Elliot Gould, but my goodness. Uh it, it, it's a very it's a show where you go oh boy everyone it's time it takes no prisoners uh, although Lisa Kudrow timeless somehow it still looks exactly the same uh, she she has managed to avoid the uh, the ravages of time um, but anyway I thought it was actually pretty uh, 
pretty entertaining. And this, especially I, most of the references and stuff were completely lost on me. Um, but as far as these type of things go, I actually thought they did a pretty darn good job. It's clear that they had budget to burn on this thing uh, because, you know, at one point, like they bring in Lady Gaga to do a cover of one of uh, Phoebe's songs and then uh, a full choir just walks in and starts singing the song. It's like they just didn't know how to spend money. They're just throwing money all around trying to figure out ways to... What else can we do? To- I think they paid the friends $2 million each, as far as I understand. So, yeah, and yeah. I'm sure re- like rebuilding the set from scratch, which had been you know, junked long ago, I- I'm sure that was no easy thing. It cost probably a pretty penny. Um, yeah, I mean, this was... They had money to burn on this thing, and, and they were just doing stuff for no no apparent reason. Uh, but a-, a very watchable show. I mean, I-, I-, I was surprised at how much I just kind of enjoyed looking at the 90s you know uh, it's a show of the 90s in a very significant way and uh you know there's a lot of sort of frank discussion of what it was like to do the show and behind the scenes discussions and uh you know i i found it to be uh, pretty entertaining actually excellent well that's uh the friends reunion and it's on hbo max right now uh jeff anything else you've been watching well i also checked out a new series that had been recommended on hashtag slash tag a number of times which is a great way to recommend all manner of shows and movies uh for both us and for your fellow listeners we use the hashtag slash tag it's uh it's something i always sit down whenever we want to think of something to watch i always check out recommendations using that hashtag thank you to everybody that uses it um there's a new show on the peacock yeah, it's called. Service? It's just called Peacock. Peacock. It's just called Peacock. <laughs> yeah, the it's the Peacock. It's just Peacock. The peacock. There's no the. There's no the. Why do you Why do you keep saying in that high pitched voice? You really have to accent <laughs> the uh, the end of that name. Peacock. Peacock. You just say peacock. Oh yeah, when Dave, yeah. Dave says yeah. it, he says yeah. the Peacock. 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 Uh, <laughs> it's a yet another streaming service that, thankfully, allows you to watch stuff without paying a dime. Well, some uh, we, stuff, some stuff. Oh, well, this, yeah, this yeah. show I was not, able to not watch. everything. Yeah, no. uh, it's called Girls Five Eva, which is a title I would not have gravitated toward. Frankly. It so- sounds awful. Sounds, sounds awful. Fa- sounds. I don't even know what I'm supposed to think when I see it. You know, I I feel like the title perfectly encapsulates the the sense of like whimsy. Yes. And oh, once you see the show, the, the title is perfect. Yeah, yeah, Retroactively yeah. great title. Yes. But when you tell me you got to watch the show called Girls Five Eva, I go, I probably don't. Yes. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah. But I am very very glad I checked this out. This is as close to Thirty Rock yes. as we've gotten in a long time. I was a big fan of Thirty Rock. I love Thirty Rock. Uh, this is a, a lot of the same creators. Tina Fey. Uh, is a, uh, a mm-hmm. executive producer, also plays Dolly Parton in the show at, at, at one point. Um, and uh, it, Paula Pell is a, a major character. I love her. I follow her on Twitter. I think she's brilliant. Um, and it, the concept behind Girls 5 Eva is there, there was a, a Spice Girls-esque band in the 90s uh, of a bunch of uh, hot young women, and they had a one-hit wonder, uh, and then they all sort of, you know, went off about their lives and had sort of average everyday lives, became parents, became, uh, you know, one of them became a dentist. Like they all just went on and had normal lives. Uh, and then a rapper today samples their one of their songs and puts them back in the zeitgeist. And so they decide to reunite and start making music again as 
40 something women. Uh, and it's, I think it's a, it's a clever concept and really, really funny show. I love this. I mean, it, it has that, that same, you know, in 30 rock, every scene was sort of this weird hybrid between a single camera, uh, sitcom scene and a sketch like with, with 30 rock characters were kind of sitcom characters, but they were also like larger than life sketch characters also uh this show has that sensibility as well and it's a sensibility that really tickles me so i'm really enjoying girls five eva i I know i think a couple of you have also watched it dave you watched it right uh yes i did i had a great time the 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 joke density per minute yeah is really really high yeah uh so i i agree with you it is a uh an appropriate error to 30 rock uh, and if you enjoyed 30 Rock, you enjoy that style of humor, I think you'll really appreciate Girls 5 Eva on Peacock. So, yep. Uh, yeah. All right. It's, uh, it's, it's fun. Can, can I just say, like, it is, I've seen a couple episodes. I don't know what Busy Phillips is doing in this show. Like, she's doing, like, <laughs> she's Real doing Housewives style yeah. uh, character. I hate everything she's doing there. Oh, is the thing. Like, I love great. Busy Phillips. I love Busy Phillips so much but that character just seems like the show itself is very like off the wall and kind of zany and wacky at times she is just like at least that character is absolutely grating to me uh, <laughs> well, she's I the hope self-described it hot one she's the, she talks yeah. about herself I, as the I, hot I think one. she's doing yeah. what she's supposed to do she's just, supposed to be yeah. you might think that thing she's doing is annoying you know but no, yeah, I, I, yeah I, I think she's doing it well levels there are different <laughs> levels of annoying like all these characters like yeah they have their own flaws and their own quirks and everything her thing is very, very specific. And maybe, maybe that's it too. Like it is like hyper specific real housewife reject type character. But anyway, I like Busy Phillips and the show is good. So I'm, I'm glad you're watching this, Jeff. Uh, nobody checked out Say by the Bell when I mentioned it on the Peacock. So uh, <laughs> I couldn't be less interested in Say by the Bell. It, it is actually a better, I think even a better show than this one. So oh, yeah, really? like, it, wow. it is good. I told you guys it was very good. Told, but I, I thought, said it was good. Again, again, I'm too old to have lived through Saved by the Bell. I've, I've literally never watched an episode of Saved by the Bell, the original. <laughs> so it, it didn't stir any nostalgia for me. So. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, that's Girls 5 Eva. It's streaming on Peacock. Let's get to weekly plugs. We're going to do weekly plugs. This is such a group. This is such a great song. I love it. (laughs) Weekly plugs a part of the show each week where we recommend something we have been in uh, and that we made this week that we wanted you to check out. Scott Wampler. That would be my uh, for my show, The King Cast. Um, We just finished up our one year anniversary special, which was, uh, well, I hate to reuse the word, but also really special. (laughs) Um, we brought in like 20 something people and had them do an entire Stephen King short story collection at the same time. Mm. And, uh, it was disastrous as you might (laughs) expect, uh, as it should be. Uh, but we also have, um, we're working on like three or four different things right now. 
that are, um, excuse me, uh, very, <laughs> very exciting. And um, we'll see if those pan out, of course. But if even one of them pans out in the next, I don't know, uh, eight months or whatever is left in this year, uh, we're going to have a good time. So yeah. you got to get Stephen King on himself, right? That's the only way this this whole thing ends. Well, yeah, I'm not going to say anything about that. <laughs> um, we uh, we know what we're doing. And uh, and we're uh, we have uh, uh, well we're constantly pulling pranks on our own listeners, uh, but yeah, uh, yeah. we I, have... I I've been listening, Scott. I know, I yeah. know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, people thought Morgan Freeman was was uh, was <laughs> definitely real, uh, but yep. um, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Vespi isn't here to save me from doing any spoilers. I'll just say that you know we have wild shit planned in the next few months. All right, you're well, gonna be happy if tease. you're a listener of this show. We, the episode is the yes. Skeleton Crew Stunt Spectacular, an amazing sequence of guests on there. We'll link to it in the show notes. That's the yeah. King Cast. That's what Scott Wampler is plugging this week. Um, I have a weekly plug. I interviewed uh, Bao Tran, the director of The Paper Tigers, which is a movie we reviewed nice. on the uh, Slash Filmcast After Dark. Great That's movie. over on Culturally Relevant. We had a great time uh, chatting about the movie and how difficult it was to get a movie like that made. And it's a really fascinating talk. Check it out on Culturally Relevant. Devinder Hardwar, your weekly plug. I've been pretty much just working th- this whole weekend uh, on a bunch of stuff, but Computex is happening, which is the, the show I typically travel to Taipei for. And uh, I, I'm not into Taipei guys. I'm still at home, so <laughs> it's it's all it's all virtual. It, it's it's still the same amount of news, and it's the same amount of news happening at a godforsaken hour. So I, I was up late most of this weekend just writing stuff like Nvidia's new graphics cards, some new stuff from Intel, um, and uh, Nvidia's new like Ryzen chips with Radeon graphics too. So hey, if you like my tech stuff, you should probably check out what is happening over over at the Computex. And uh, maybe maybe keep an eye out at Engadget this week because I may have a closer look at the RTX 3080 Ti, that crazy ass video card that everybody apparently wants, and I don't know if anybody's going to be able to buy. But yeah, we'll we'll have a closer look at that soon. Yeah, the funniest line from that reveal was that that video card would be available June 3rd. I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. you, you yeah. can't use the word available at, at anymore. Price? <laughs> this is comedy, man. I'm sorry, you can't use available anymore, Nvidia. You can't say a price. You can't say a specific <laughs> price for a video card or anything. If, it, if anybody doesn't know, a video card that's supposed to sell for $500 that was like announced last year, like the 3070, is now selling for like $1,500 on eBay. So yeah. shit, is just, uh, shit is just broken. Everything's broken. Yeah. Jeff Kanata, your weekly plug? I do a comedy science show every week called We Have Concerns. Uh, it's with Anthony Carboni. And this last week, we had a special guest on the show, an actual scientist. We do a, an award-winning comedy science show, uh, but we almost never have actual scientists on. This time, we did. Uh, we have Dr. Shannon O'Dell on the show. She is a neurophys- uh, excuse me, a neuroscientist, uh, and uh, we're talking about 
extra thumbs, a, a mechanical thumb that you can add to your body. It's a fascinating talk. She's I'm hilarious. I'm so glad you guys fun. are doing this again, Jeff. Like, Thank you. so glad to have it back. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Check that out at wehaveconcerns.com. Uh, it's a show that I, I think you'll have a lot of fun with. And you probably will learn something along the way. Great. Those are our weekly plugs this week. Before I get to the review, we got to say goodbye to Scott Wampler. Uh, Scott, it's getting late over there. We really appreciate you joining us for the first part of the show. And do hope people check you out on the KingCast as well as follow you on Twitter at twitter.com. Yes. Slash, uh, I think it's Scott Wampler uh, BMD. Is that right? Yeah, but you don't want to follow my personal <laughs> account. You want to you wanna go over to the KingCast account. Keep it keep it centered over there. All right. You know, Um you know, I I have enough followers, and you know it gets weird the more people <laughs> come in. You know, yeah, you know what I, I'm saying. I'm here for the weirdness, to be keep, honest. No, but, no, keep but, it well, private. No, I think yeah, that's smart. Yeah. I think yeah. you, know, <laughs> you say, <laughs> yeah, you say you're here for the weirdness, <laughs> but you have not seen the things I've seen. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Scott. Uh, well, thanks so much for joining us, and uh, let's get to our review of Riders of Justice. Are you still here? No. Markus Hansen. Min navn er Otto Hoffmann, og det er Lennart. Jeg var med samme tog som din kone og datter. Hvad ved Jeg synes, du har krav på at vide, at det ikke var en ulykke. Hvorfor siger du, at det ikke var en ulykke? Ham her. Men han skyndte sig af på den station sekunder inden ulykken indtraf. Til Kurt Tandem Olesen, der er præsident for rockergruppen Riders of Justice. Det var et attentat. Jeg vil bede om at finde alt, hvad I kan for rockergruppen Riders of Justice. Det er Emmentaler, vores face recognition expert. Den er så god til at finde ting. Er det noget, I kan, uden at ligge spors? <laughs> That was from the trailer for Riders of Justice, a new film by director Anders Thomas Jensen. I'm going to read the plot summary from IMDb. Marcus, who has to go home to his teenage daughter Matilda when his wife dies in a tragic train accident. Uh, it seems like an accident, at least, until uh, a mathematics geek and his two colleagues show up. <laughs> I feel like you're making this up. Are you? Yeah. Usually you read those, but it felt like you were just vamping, Dave. Uh, I have to say, <laughs> this IMDb plot summary was not written in, was not written in complete sentences. Oh well, is it maybe translated from? Uh, it's Dutch? possible. Should I do this again? Should we do this again? No, that's <laughs> fine. I think, fine. I think that again. actually that is actually perfect for okay. this movie. Yeah, okay, yeah. great. Okay, great. Well, there, there you go. That's the plot summary from IMDb, <laughs> uh, and the movie is Writers of Justice, and I thought. This is going to be a pretty interesting movie because yeah. it stars Mads Mikkelsen. Right. I, I really have seen no movie like this before. This movie uh, sounds like anything there isn't I've a ever movie seen. like this. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I, I was expecting kind of like a Taken style movie starring Mads Mikkelsen, yeah. right? Like action yeah. heavy. Uh, but it's and there is action in it, and there is you know Mads Mikkelsen. The, the, the plot work of of Taken or something. Yeah, yeah. there is, is Mads Mikkelsen going a, John Wick, a, right? I think it is yeah. a deconstruction of Taken. Yes. Interesting. Yes. All right. Well, let's start, types of movies. let's start with Devinder Hardware. What were your thoughts on Writers of Justice? Yeah, absolutely. This is one of the weirdest movies I've ever seen, ever seen. And uh, I absolutely love it. 
And it is such a smart, like, I think they did so many smart things with this movie. Like, the, the poster, right, is Mads Mikkelsen. Actually, I've learned this week, it's pronounced Mass. Or, like, you're, you're eating the D, basically. So it's Mads Mikkelsen. <laughs> you're you're <laughs> eating the D. You're eating yeah. the D. <laughs> Phrasing. 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 That actually fits with this movie, though, doesn't it? Doesn't it? <laughs> Thank you for not, uh, yeah. I'm sorry. Got to eat the I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm a child. I'm sorry. I'm just oh, a, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> Jeff, sorry. I'm just I'm trying sorry. to tell everybody how to pronounce <laughs> no, Mass right. Nicholson's I, name. You're being a professional. There you're is being a, a professional. D. You got to eat it. Yeah, you got to eat the yeah, sorry. it's so simple. It's so simple to make no, Jeff, you're right. you could, like self disrupt. I bet. I'm sure. I'm sure Mads would appreciate it if you made the tea. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. sorry, it's okay. I, I like go for proceed. as long as I can. No, proceed. But uh, yeah, Mister <laughs> Mister Mads Mikkelsen, I I love him so much. We just talked about him with another round. <laughs> this movie. This movie almost feels like another round again, except this time, uh, instead of being like, uh, you know, bored middle-aged uh, teachers, he is a former soldier who's going through his own life crisis, but he's also surrounded by like bored middle-aged academics too, which basically, they basically seem like they ripped out of the lone gunman from the yes, X-Files. Yep. And I kind yep. of love too. that. That's the it's very lone like, yep. What? Yep. Yeah, what yeah. if the lone gunmen were in Taken? Yep. That's the movie. What if, yep. The, yep. These are guys who would sit down and watch revenge movies every night. You know, like this is their thing. They probably get together, have movie nights. Uh, but now they're in one. You know, and I think that that is kind of the fun of this movie. It's a deconstruction of the revenge action film. But I also think it's like pretty smart because it's acknowledging the philosophical problems with these films, right? Like you're not you're you're not accomplishing anything by getting revenge. Nobody nobody is actually feeling better. You're just perpetuating a cycle of violence. Uh, but then the movie the movie can still give you those scenes of cycles of violence. And then at the same time, it's also a really sweet film about found family and the importance of mental health care. Yes. I love this movie. I yes. love this movie. Every it's it's so weird and wild and uh i i I started watching this with my wife and she does not typically uh join me for the mads mickelson's fest like she she watched half of another round and had to tap out this one she wants to go back and watch it on her own because the sheer setup of this movie too is very uh it is very like action thriller but it it's so weird the open the opening scene is like a, a christmas fantasy from Home Alone or something, or from like a '90s movie. Like it's just so weird. I loved it though. I love how just like unique this movie is. All right, uh, stirring endorsement from Devendra Hardware. Jeff Kanata, your thoughts on Riders of Justice? Well, Dave, I guess you could say my thoughts on Riders of Justice is best summed up in the form of a limerick. It seems at first undeniable that this film's quickly classifiable. A revenge fantasy, but what it turns out to be is how judgment becomes unreliable. Wow, very good. Rhyming, reliable, very difficult, Jeff. And you. Uh, you pulled it off. Nicely done. 
Very yeah, nice. I'm I'm gonna eat, eat this film's D as well. Uh, <laughs> I think it is. I'm gonna eat the D. Uh, I got I got to put a content warning on the front of this podcast today. <laughs> we have yeah. a content warning on every podcast. We're yeah. an explicit podcast. Yeah, yeah, but but children, <laughs> yeah, there's nothing wrong with what chil- we're saying. Children, exactly. listen, nothing this wrong. Is, this is yeah. <laughs> I watch not- Sesame Street. They talk about the Larry D all the time. <laughs> That's right, all the time. Uh, um. <laughs> I, uh, you guys watch Sesame Street because you are still children, I think, is really what's yeah. happening. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. Um, everything that Devinder said, absolutely. Uh, this movie is so wonderfully ambitious. Like, it, the, the, the things it chooses to spend its time on are really what we get, like, therapy sessions for our lead characters for no real reason <laughs> but it's fun and with non-therapists right with therapists <laughs> pretending to be people pretending to be therapists um i think the characters are all fascinating you know it, it it's so self-aware and it's but it's actually also making really interesting points about the people in these movies i mean it's it's really <laughs> it's such a conventional premise that you have the badass who has to use the geeky computer hackers to get the information so he can be a badass. Yeah, but, you got a face guy. We we need a face guy. Yeah, exactly. Face recognition but guy. Yeah. In every other movie, those would be like the twenty-something, you know, nerdy kid. And in this movie, it's a bunch of older, kind of goofy scientist dudes. And all of the things that you see in those movies, like the the multiple monitors and cables that are built inside the weird barn that for some reason they live in, all of it is like commented on and poked fun at and made grist for this mill of really kind of deconstructing this, the the concept of these kinds of movies taken, nobody, all of these, you know, uh, John wick, all of these flights of fancy uh, revenge fantasies are are taken down a notch by this movie and yet also it gives you that movie like you get to see that movie there's really killer action sequences you get to see Matt Mickelson you know be a complete badass with a gun and you know but not in a like not in a like gun fu kind of over the top way it's very grounded and real but also thrilling and exciting but also you at, at the end of it you're like we probably shouldn't have done any of that <laughs> you know it's, it's <laughs> i made it's, a huge mistake yeah, it's, yeah. it is <laughs> Really, the movie bounces between tones effortlessly, but but uh, there's like a bigger gap between. It, it can be goofy, utterly goofy, and genuinely funny one moment, and then completely like heart rippingly genuine and sincere and 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 uh, dark. Uh, the next, it is. It, it's so ambitious in that way. Like it, it doesn't really seem to care whether the audience is keeping up with it, rubber banding between all of these moods. And I, I agree with DeVintra. Like I found this movie to be a complete revelation. It, it was just so different and so much fun to watch. I, I dug it a lot. I agree with both of you guys. I had a great time with this movie. It's so unique. Uh, by the way, for those who don't know, the lone gunman, are uh oh, God, you gotta explain them yeah, yeah, yeah I know. it's been uh, the, 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 years. the lone gunman Jeez. are these three computer nerds that were characters in the x-files basically they're people who helped out Mulder and that Mulder kind of befriended it was also a short-lived 
a Fox television show <laughs> that was fantastic show that was show yeah. run by Vince Gilligan, I believe. Yeah, before, yeah. Uh, or at least he, I, I don't know if he show ran it. He ran, he uh, wrote for it at least. Um, but they're basically the dudes that are in this film, which is like <laughs> they are. The nerds that are like, oh, what if we were in the action film? We could help. We could be the hacker guys in the action film, you know? And the film reveals all the complications that come with that. Mm-hmm. I think you really, to enjoy this movie, you got to let go of, as you guys have indicated, kind of <laughs> any sense of uh, any preconceived notions of what this kind of movie can and should be, right? Right. In, in terms of tone, in terms of plotting, in terms of theme, and just be willing to accept what the movie is willing to give you from a from a tone thematic stamp, tonal and thematic standpoint, because it is just really out there uh, and and trying to do things that most movies don't try to do, trying to make you reflect on the nature of what you're seeing on screen, mm-hmm. the horror of what you're seeing in a way that most movies don't do. Go ahead, Jeff. I, the way you, I was just going to say, the way that you express that, do, though, Dave, it sounds to me like you're positioning it as a concession that you have to make to the movie. Mm-hmm. And I would argue that it's it's like a roller coaster ride you get it's to It's a feature, on. not a bug. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 totally. Do you not agree with that, Dave? Uh, yeah, I think you're right. Well, you know, it, it took me a while to figure out what <laughs> this was. Like, yeah. I, 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 I kind of wish I was watching this movie with you guys, and Dave yeah. especially. In terms well, because of like just how weird this thing is. I, yeah. I think because I, the thing is, we have these kind of mental models right. for how these movies should operate, right? And I'm watching this movie and I'm thinking to myself, okay, like this is the part where so and so character discovers the blah, and this is the thing when you know, right. and then the movie just starts like exploding all that. Like it just starts it's like such a, but isn't that yeah. thrilling and so fun when yeah, you're part? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. for yeah. sure, for sure. But but it was initially quite disorienting. I yeah. will say that. Yeah. <laughs> disorienting is the word. It's like it's a lot of like, oh, you you're not supposed to do that, but now I'm interested. You yeah. know that yeah. you're doing it. At one point, my wife walked in about maybe, I don't know, about uh, an hour into it, maybe less. <laughs> and uh, she she goes, well, what is this movie about? And I tried to explain it and I couldn't. I was like, there's just no easy way to sum this up, really. <laughs> it's it's going to watch it with me. Yeah. Join me on this ride of justice. But yeah. how cool is that? Like that? It's such a yeah. it's such a unique experience. And I, I really love movies that try something fresh like that. Indeed, indeed. Um, should we do spoil? I feel like you've already kind of given away some spoilers. You know, should we? Uh, we'll say before there. There's stuff we could talk about in spoilers, but before we get to that, I do want to say I still think uh, Mads's performance in Another Round is better because this movie, as much as it's like trying to deconstruct this character and you know really get to the psychology behind him, he never really opens up. Right? He right. is still like he is stone faced action guy pretty much throughout. Um, bad dad kind of a dick to his daughter, absolute dick to the daughter's boyfriend. Um, (laughs) But in another round, like that movie really revealed like just a lot of vulnerability in him too. And things he can convey as an actor. And this is more like, you know, one note revenge, Matt. I I wanted maybe a little more, maybe a bit of the joy from the end of that movie too would be nice. I I will say that Mm -hmm. he really commits to the part. I mean, there there is. and, And the thing is, I think he brings a level of commitment that, I wouldn't have expected for this kind of script, which yeah, uh, is yeah. uh, very frequently goofy and silly, yes, right? The, yes. This movie is very frequently, and but he treats it all deadly seriously, and then when he needs to take it up a notch, he totally does. I think he totally delivers, uh, and it's just it's just amazing to see his commitment to what he's doing here. So, and I'm trying to be vague because I think you guys yeah, know what yeah. I'm talking about, but Definitely. you know, yeah. So. I don't think that he's the main character, though. Mm. I think it's a movie about the scientists. <laughs> Interesting. 
Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't. About, yeah. I, I, cer- certainly, I think they have a bigger journey that they go on than, than he does. Yeah. So, yeah. all right. Why don't we get some spoilers for Riders of Justice starting right now? Now you're looking for the secret. Can I see this coming? No. But you won't find it because, of course, they're not going to see this coming. You're not really looking. I have been puzzling over how it works. You don't really want to work it out. Who's in the box? I have been dying to tell you. I want to tell you my secret now. You want to be fooled. All right. A few things about the ending uh, and, and other parts of the movie. I mean, I, I will say I, I think that the ending wraps up a little bit too neatly. It really tries to have its cake and eat it, too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And what I mean by that is uh, Mads Mikkelsen, like, theoretically killed, as far as I can tell, over 50 dudes. There are no cops in this movie, okay? (laughs) But, yeah, no, no one one noticed, and also he got a sweater. And so you could never never be able to pick him out of a lineup with that sweater. (laughs) That's so. That's the thing that I kind of like. I'm, I'm kind of left reflecting is the movie is playing with these really serious, weighty topics: PTSD, uh, shattered relationships between fathers and daughters as a result of like wartime and trauma and things like that. And uh, and, and it's doing the serious com- parts of of the movie, the serious components, uh, really well. Like it has a lot of gravitas. I'm really feeling the weight of this dysfunctional relationship Mm -hmm. and then for it to wrap up so neatly the way it does it it felt like it didn't honor what came before you know in my opinion um but what do you guys think of that yeah yeah i think there's something to that like i said i think i think it tried to have its cake and eat it too a bit it's like here feel all this but also it's okay everybody's fine you know but i also kind of feel like that speaks to this weird duality of tones that it's dealing with throughout the whole thing is it gives you the dark ending where Mads Mikkelsen dies leaning up against a tree and then it cuts to the happy ending where he's fine and he's in a sweater and it's Christmas. Is, is it <laughs> even real? I don't know. I don't yeah. know. It's, uh, it's something. It's something. <laughs> the other thing I couldn't, I wasn't quite sure of, right, is the, the idea, uh, like, what was the old guy and his granddaughter the, the, with the bike, what was their relationship to the gang? My understanding, I thought they were like total gangsters themselves, right? No, no, no. They're just like the he was. They were walking by, like the bike guy, the guy who sells bikes on the street, and she's like, "Oh, I'd like a blue one." And the guy made a few calls, right? Oh, right. Maybe so he's, he's, a, he's, he's part the of the criminal yeah. underworld, yes, in yeah. some yeah. way. But it's, right? it's the it's it's the the thing, the notion that the scientists were talking about, which is you can never know backstory enough to understand right. what the actual inciting incident is mm, right i mean mm, in this right. case the whole inciting incident the reason her mom died is because this little girl wanted a different color bike right mm-hmm. yeah but i, I, I love the, how the, the movie starts it's such a weird way to start a movie it's like you have this this strange christmas scene then you're in the middle of war with this dude, and then you're in this like goofy scientist pitching session. I know like, it was so weird. I'm like, what does this have to do with anything? You know, like exactly. why are we here? <laughs> is the movie really going this way? And then, and then, uh, the thing is, like, for most of the movie until the very end, I felt like, okay, the storytellers know what they're doing. Like, for instance, mm-hmm. there's yeah. a scene where the guy's like, well, he walked into the train with a Joe and the juice, and do you realize like how much a Joe and the juice cost? You know, like. Eighteen dollars. Yeah. Nobody plus, throws like, away a twenty. Nobody 20 throws away the juice, yeah. you know. And it, it's treated with the gravitas <laughs> that it should be treated with, which yeah. is like this yeah. is a very silly man. 
Um, right. But and then then we get the scene of the guy justifying why he threw out the twenty euro <laughs> juice yeah. because I've had bad sandwiches, guys. Like I've paid a lot for bad sandwiches. Okay, and all you could do is walk away. It's so it's it's so cool that the point the movie is making is like, yeah, the point the movie is making is there's there's lies, damn lies, and statistics, right? <laughs> It's really saying that Mm -hmm. thing, that that cliche of like, however much you think you know based on the numbers, you might not. You just might not know. And I love that. I've never seen a movie make that point before. It's such an interesting concept. It's just, no, everything we thought, all of it added up to one thing, and it wasn't that thing. (laughs) Well, the statistics were right. They were the ones who like pushed it out of the like margin of error, right? Like they pushed yeah. it. They, the, the first guy, if they had like further investigated that, <laughs> right. Probably they, they wouldn't have done any of this, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it, it's, it, it's mind boggling to think about. I love that scene when the daughter is there with the, the main scientist dude. And they're talking about like all the causality that leads to the moment and like how every single one of those events has their own chain of causality. And it just, yeah. just is mind blowing to think about, you know, and it, you reflect and, and it, it, it kind of, the, my conclusion from it, which is the conclusion I think the movie wants me to draw, right? Is that mm-hmm. trying to determine any line of causality is inherently, a nonsensical activity, right? Like right. it just, impossible. It's, it's impossible. It's impossible. And if you try, you'll drive yourself mad for no good reason. Yeah. You just have to arbitrarily stop at a certain point, but that's not, doesn't provide you any answers. Yeah. hundred percent, hundred percent. So, uh, it's a and, cool movie. It's yeah. a really cool movie. And, uh, I, I mean, every single character is like, not exactly what you would expect, right? That the boyfriend character not at all what you would think of as the boyfriend character right. in these kinds of movies. He's An like, actual sweet, like sympathetic guy. Yes, like, he's, yeah, he, yeah. yes, he's, he he's genuinely things. trying to help, and like, you know, it's, it's it's such an interest. Everything is an interesting take on mm-hmm. uh, you know something you think you've seen before. Yeah, to to me, it comes down to what they do with uh, the is he is he Ukrainian? The Ukrainian guy that's imprisoned <laughs> in that house. Yes. And, um, I did not Thank expect that character. Yeah. <laughs> did not expect that no, character to I, become an integral part of the movie. His his storyline is dark. Is yeah, so dark. It's, it's like he really was dark. Sex trafficked it, it's and, really yeah. dark. In in a way that like made me handles that well. In a way in a way that made me like kind of uncomfortable uncomfortable. Yeah. Like that. And there's a yeah. lot of fat shaming in the movie. All there's over a the place. lot of that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But you know, so, maybe that's a Dutch thing. I don't know. It's uh, uh it's definitely introduced to Danish, excuse me, Danish. Pardon me. You're introduced to the uh, to the computer guy, right? And he is overflowing. And it's just like, you probably didn't need that. I don't know. You probably didn't need to at least portray the character this way. Uh, it is, this is also a movie where the villain gets to be the worst in terms of slurs and things like that too, which I also think is kind of like on purpose. But yeah, I come back to the Ukrainian character who ends up being this like sweet kid who just wants to like take care of everybody, you know, and clean yeah. the house. It's, uh, I don't, think he was fully handled well but at the end of the day i still think like it's it's a very sweet character right it's a very like i'm glad i saw that story fundamentally fundamentally it's like a sweet thing but yeah i Mm -hmm. i didn't just wasn't a fan of the way they kind of trivialized sexual violence in the movie you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. i I was just didn't uh didn't find it amusing personally but um, that that uh, sequence where the mads kills that guy breaks that guy's neck uh, and then that entire sequence of like, I'm going to go back in and I'm going to clean this up. 
And then seeing the dude tied up in the thing, like all of that, it just, I was on the edge of my seat through all of it. It's just, it's just such an like almost Tarantino, like unpredictable. What the Mm -hmm. fuck is going on right now? It's yeah. Uh, (laughs) I I mean, that's the way that that sequence was shot too, was when the guy takes out the gun and points it at Mads Mikkelsen's face. It's like, you do not point a gun at Mads Mikkelsen's yes. face. Like, and you knew immediately that that guy had made a horrible mistake the moment he yeah. did it. The way the camera film yeah. frames it is like very wide angle. The camera's like right up close to him. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's it's and thrilling. That, and yeah. Th- that turn that he makes as he's yes. walking back to the car. It's, yes. it's very the limey, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> of him like, oh, I'm going to go fuck all this up now. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Now yeah. you and made me mad. And yeah. it's great because it's another example of they're interpreting that behavior as guilt for the crime that they assumed he did. And it's clearly, he's trying to get them to leave because he's doing a different crime in that house. It's, it's uh, fascinating. I just, I love the, the way the movie is constantly subverting your expectations. Indeed. Mm -hmm. Indeed. Any other thoughts on the movie? I think we all had a had a good time with this one. I feel like I need to look up this director and watch everything he's done yeah. at this point. Because I know he he works with uh Matt Mickelson quite a bit too. So like I've seen the poster for some of his other ones, like uh Men and Chicken, which is just Matt's in, in like a cool ass mustache next to an egg person. So I I kind of want to see this. I want to see whatever is up with this guy's mind. Um there were some interviews, right? I think it was Vulture, where Matt's talked about the first time he met. Anders Thomas Jensen, they had like a fight in a staircase because they're both like hotheads and they just like started arguing after they were drinking and like got into physical fight and then they worked together for 20 years. So somehow like the weird relationship they have too, I think just is reflected in the weirdness of this movie. Yeah, I've heard uh, uh, yeah, Men and Chicken, Adam's Apples, Flickering Lights, uh, mm-hmm. all worth checking out. So uh, I'm eager to... Uh, this guy was not even on my radar before. We'd never talked yeah. about him before on the podcast, yeah. right? Yeah. So... Uh, I'm curious to check out more of his work as well. I certainly found this to be bold and original. And and, uh, and let me put this out there, though. I think that the movie poster was kind of misleading. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know I mean? They like, knew this, what they were doing. I'm, I'm watching amazing. this. I'm thinking this is going to be gritty revenge story. <laughs> and there is revenge. I'm not even. Right? It's not even <laughs> revenge, really. It's just the guy being misled by scientific theories he just he has to <laughs> this is the only way he knows how to let his emotions out right and he he's just got to do it yeah you know you, well you guys you were saying how like you feel like there was not as much mad's vulnerability and mm-hmm. i think you know there's that scene where he smashes up the entire bathroom right and that yeah. there is oh there is. that was yeah. very good that was very yeah. good that, that was that's that was the vulnerability yeah. i think you're referring to yeah. that headbutt yeah. to the went to the mirror yeah. i'm like mads I hope you didn't really do that, buddy. <laughs> yeah. It seems like he he flashed back to his pusher character, you know, yeah. for like a second with that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But then when he tries to, like, rip that, I don't even know what that <laughs> yeah. thing is. Like, it's like uh-huh. this thing with a hinge on the wall, and he, like, can't yeah. rip it off the wall. Uh, it's it's an amazing moment. It's an amazing moment. It really so, I bought this movie, and I'm very glad I did. I blind bought this, so, yeah. I'm going to be rewatching it. I'm I'm really glad we I'm glad you suggested we review it, Dave, because I I had no idea about this movie and I just I'm so glad. I think it's probably going to show up on my end of the year list. It's that wow. it's that prominent in my mind. Excellent. Well, um I'm glad we all got to check it out. It's a great film, uh, well worth checking out. Uh thought-provoking, made me reflect on the nature of causality, the universe and everything that led up to my life at this po- at this moment recording yeah. this podcast episode with you guys. What else so. could you ask for from a movie? Agreed. Agreed. 
You can find more episodes. That's going to bring us to the end of this week's episode of the Slash Filmcast. And you know what, guys? All things considered, it's pretty impressive <laughs> that Anders Thomas Jensen directed a movie. Yeah. yeah. It, you know? it, it is. Can't deny it. Is it more impressive that it's pretty good? We didn't yeah. like, or is it just every movie? Every movie. Every, okay. every movie, right. Jeff, because it's impre- every movie is a miracle. <laughs> no, it is. I just thought it was a consolation prize. Every movie is a miracle. This movie in particular is a miracle because none of this should work. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. No, Devendra, every movie, every movie is a miracle. Every movie, every movie right. is a miracle. You're right. Uh, you can find more episodes of this podcast at slashfilmcast.com. Email us at slashfilmcast at gmail.com. Our theme song comes from adamwarrock.com. Our spoiler bumper comes from filmmaker and YouTuber Kyle Corwith. This episode was edited by Beatty Zhang. Next week, we have decided we're going to be reviewing In the Heights. Uh, the I'm sorry, what am I talking about? No, that's uh, that's in two uh, weeks. That's in two yet, weeks. Not yet. Sorry. Next week, we're going to be talking about Guy Ritchie's The Wrath of Man, which is now available for rent. And in the after dark, uh, we're going to do The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It, which is uh, coming out on HBO. It's the third Conjuring film, although sixth. Conjuring Universe film? I it's believe. A whole universe. I thought it was yeah. eighth Conjuring Universe mm. film. Okay, well, it's definitely somewhere. up there. It's definitely there up there. There have been a lot of Annabelle movies, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, wait, why do you. You don't even pay attention. To, you've never even just, seen one of these movies, Jeff. I was looking. <laughs> uh, I have not seen one of these movies. That doesn't mean I don't know how many numbers of them there are. <laughs> uh, well, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, now, I, now I'm like. I thought, sure. I thought I read eight. I could be wrong. I, it could be six. But I, I saw I saw somebody oh, compare yeah, the yeah, eight okay. Conjuring movies to the eight something else movies. Yeah, okay. Uh, so there's Conjuring, Annabelle, The Conjuring 2, Annabelle Creation, The Nun, and The Curse of La Llorona. Uh, so I had forgotten about The Curse of La Llorona and The Nun in there. Yeah, Maybe so. if you were as big a Conjuring universe fan as I am, you would understand. Yes. Uh, for those who are unaware of the inside joke here, Jeff does not want to watch any of the Conjuring movies. <laughs> So it's going to be an episode of Coaxing Kanata in next week's After Dark. But yes, it is. Wrath of Man for our main review of the Slash Filmcast next week. And then The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It for the After Dark, uh, which is uh, available for patrons at patreon.com slash filmpodcast. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, oh.